Welcome to Genesee Valley Church, where we are loving God, loving people, and loving life. This is the year 2022, and this is the year that you are going to bring change into your life. We are praying and believing that this year helps you develop a heart of God for yourself, for your home, and for your family. We know that you will be blessed by the message and the word that God has for you today. Let us help you answer your call and make this your year. pursue God passionately. This is the year that my marriage gets on fire. This is the year that my home finds harmony. This is the year that I experience financial stability. This is the year that I fulfill the plan of God for my life. Maybe this is the year that I'm going to answer the call. Amen. Come on, why don't we just open up with a word of prayer and just begin to invite the Holy Spirit just to give us the utterance to speak this morning. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity to preach the gospel. God, you said that if we would preach the word, you would confirm it with signs following. So God, I thank you that it's a, that it's a living, breathing word that will change our lives. God, we pray for every church within the surrounding area. That the Spirit of God would fall within their, their walls. That you would visit their congregations this morning. And that there would be revival that would sweep across this greater Flint area. We thank you, Father, that there is a move. And we thank you that you're moving here in Genesee Valley Church. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Well, today begins our 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, for many of us, we'll probably start tomorrow. We're launching it today, but since Monday is the start of the work week and the school week and all those kind of things, it'll probably be when we all get uh, acclimated and start settling down to start our fast. And so in doing so, I just want you to be intentional. There's some things that I want you to be intentional with as you purpose to get ready to fast and to pray. And I'm asking every single one of us that you would consider doing this. If you've never done it before, would you just lean in and purpose to go after God? Because there is a move of God that is here in this church. God is moving and he's wanting to visit this church, but he's wanting to visit you. He's wanting to visit your home. He's wanting to visit your family. He's wanting to change the landscape of all that you know because God is moving in this hour. And so I want to encourage you, will you take the time to pray and to fast? Now, as you heard us say last week, in regards to fasting, fasting is not just merely giving up food. That's what you would call a diet. It's simply purposing to sacrifice food with the intent to pursue God. To go after God and to seek God's face and to have a visitation with God. Amen? And so what that might look like is different for every single person. But may I encourage you, number one, determine before you start tomorrow, determine what you're going to fast. Are you going to fast television? Are you going to fast your electronics or whatever it might be in addition to fasting some food? What kind of food are you going to be fasting? Are you going to be fasting a meal? Maybe you're fasting sweets. 
If you've never fasted sweets before and you like sweets, try it for a day. And you'll find out how much sweets has a hold on your, your body. Right? Maybe you're saying, I'm going to fast sweets or I'm going to fast all carbs. You know, Daniel had a 21-day fast, and it was like vegetables. That's all. He says, no choice food. So he just ate vegetables and kept it simple. So again, you can choose what you want to do. But again, it's with the intent to sacrifice and also not just fast food because that is a diet. But when you sacrifice in the natural, you're purposing to set time aside for the word and for prayer. So let me just, again, throw this at you. We have 24 hours in a day. Would you be available to tithe your day? Well, that means it's two hours and 40 minutes. Well, maybe you've never gave God two minutes a day, and that'd be a stretch. Well, whatever the case is, find a set time that you're going to give to God. A specific time of day, maybe. Maybe it's the first thing in the morning. Maybe it's when you go to bed at night. But be intentional so that you stay on point. Hello? Be intentional so that it's consistent. Stretch yourself. And if you miss it, don't beat yourself up. Just start afresh the next, the next day. Because God wants to visit your home. Amen? And, and God is already doing some things within our church. Let me, let me also say this before I go where I was going to go in just a second. In giving of your time and giving of yourselves to prayer and fasting, can I suggest that in these next three weeks, these 21 days, that you would be committed to come to church every Sunday? Because every Sunday is going to build in what God is wanting to do and where He's going to take you. Can I suggest to come on Wednesday night prayer and begin to pursue God and be committed for the next three weeks. If you'll be committed for the next three weeks. I believe that God will do such a change in your life. That you'll have a heart to pursue him with a passion. Because you hunger for him. This past Wednesday. Was our church prayer. And there was such a visitation of God. That it was tangible. And. For those that were here. And some that I've already talked to, I've said, said to this to them, that I have never prayed that way before. There was something different about that night of prayer. In fact, somebody even said, you, you even sounded different when you prayed. And it changed me so much so that when I left prayer that night, all through the night, whatever was on me, or the presence of God, the Spirit of God that was on me in prayer, was on me all through the night. I would wake up and I would be praying. And I would sense the presence of God. And all the next day. That presence that was on me. The spirit of God was, that was on me in prayer. Was on me all the next day. And I told my wife. I said I feel weird saying this. I said but something in that night of prayer. Changed me. I don't know what all has transpired. But I'm a changed man. As a result of that Wednesday night prayer. And so I'm encouraging you. All of us have time. Will you give yourself to come and pray with us? Because there is a move of God that is happening here. But he wants it to happen in your family, in your marriage. He's wanting it to happen in your workplace. He's wanting it to happen wherever you go. Because where you move, God moves with you. And there will be a move of God that follows you. Amen? And so will you pursue God in these 21 days with us? It's going to be amazing. 
And then we're going to see miracle signs and wonders at the end. We're going to pray for the sick. It's going to be incredible. I just know because God elects to show up. In fact, let me just say this. Uh, uh, last week, last uh, uh, Sunday, uh, we had the worship team over to our house, and we just had a time of fellowship and some pizza, and uh, we were going to go outside and have fun outside, but it was so blazing hot, we said, we don't want to go out into hell. We're people of heaven, so we stayed inside where the air conditioning was. <laughs> and so we just had fellowship, and Anna, she was there, and if you don't know about Anna, she's, uh, her daughter's been having some uh, uh, health uh, challenges, and so she had to leave early, and we just said, hey, listen, before you go, Let's just pray for your daughter because she was going in for some, I think, an MRI, something of that nature. I said, let's just pray. And we're going to pray that they don't find a single thing when they go in there. And so I asked her this morning, I said, did they get the results? She said, they didn't find nothing. <laughs> Woo, praise God. Amen. Now, there's still some things that we're believing God with her for, for her little one. But, glory to God, nothing came back. Just as we said. And so God is still on the work and still on the mend. And praise the God. We're looking for a full recovery in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. Well, hey, I want to share this with you because just as I'm, I'm sharing and talking about giving of ourselves and talking about the younger generation, I shared this with the crowd that was with us on Wednesday night. And I shared an audio version of it because I was so moved by it that every time I started to talk about it, I began to cry. And so I said, well, we'll just play it. But I want to share it with you, just an abbreviated version if I can. Because again, it just goes to show that if we'll purpose to be hungry for God, God will change the landscape of our lives. It, it, some of you may know who Reinhard Bonnke is. He was a missionary that God sent to Africa. He was a South African man, and he, he ministered to the whole continent. And then later in his years, God sent him to America, and he since went home to be with the Lord. I think he went home last year. But I, as I've been purposing to stir myself up on the moves of God and the revivals that God has done in times past, I, I've come across this message that he was sharing with a congregation of people. And this is that story. He said that he had, was, was doing a meeting in the uh, upper region of Africa. And he said they had the meeting. He said it was a small crowd. He said it was roughly about 8,000 people. Small crowd. <laughs> roughly 8,000 people. And he said lots of people were saved and born again. And people were healed. And he said, and then they shut down the meeting. And he came back and he said he turned off the generator. And when he turned off the generator, he said everything went black out in the middle of the jungle there. Or the grasslands of where he was at. He said he got in his car and he started to drive off. And in the middle of this little path in the grass, he said he saw a young man standing there. And his lights hit the young man standing in the path. He got out and he asked the young boy, he says, what are you doing? He says, I went to your meeting just tonight. And he said, I got saved. I received Jesus into my life. I received Christ as my Savior. He says, but I knew that you would be coming this way and I would run into you. And he says, I, I knew that if I would meet you. I could be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he says, I desire to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And so therefore, Reinhard Balke got out and proceeded to pray for me. And he said, it was like lightning that hit this young boy. He says, what is your name? He says, my name is David. He says, how old are you, David? He says, I'm 17. He said, it was such a glorious infilling. He's speaking in other tongues. He said, God just showed up and just met this young man's hunger. And then after a moment, the young man, David, said, well, I'm going to go back to my village. And he said, I went back to my home. 
And he said about four weeks later, he was holding a meeting. And as he was holding a meeting, he said people started coming to him and says, there is a revival that's taking place over in this region of Africa. And he says, who's the preacher? And they said, you won't believe it. It's just a boy, only 17 years old. And they, he said to them, what's the boy's name? They said, his name is David. And people were getting saved and people were getting healed. And there was a revival that was breaking loose in the land. And then he was at a meeting one night. And he heard a knock on his door. And he said, as he opened the door, there was a young man standing there in front of him. And it was David. And he said to Mr. Reinhold Bonke, he says, do you remember me? And he says, yes, I remember you. He said, I wanted to tell you what has been happening since that night I met you in the grass. He said, when I left from being filled with the Holy Spirit, I went back to my village. And on the way back, I ran into a lady, a woman in my village. And her, uh, she was holding her child, her little baby. And the baby was with severe fever. And he said, I know this woman. And she just lost her other child to the fever a couple days prior. And he says, the baby was wailing and screaming and crying. And he says, the, the love of God filled me. And he says, can I pray for your child? And she says, yes, please, please pray for my baby. And so he prayed for the little child. And immediately the baby stopped crying. And the baby says, mama, I'm hungry. I'm hungry, mama. Instantly healed. The woman went back to her village and the chief saw her coming with her child and he says, what happened? She said, I met a boy. His name was David. And he prayed for my baby and my baby was healed. And the chief said to her, he says, my daughter has been lame since birth. She, she's in that hut over there and she has not walked since she's been born. Go find David and have David come so that he can pray for my daughter. They found David and he goes before the chief and the chief says, my daughter's in that hut. He said, go pray to your Jesus that my daughter might be healed. David goes into the hut. Sees the little girl. He said, her legs and arms and were like spaghetti. He said, I began to pray for her. And he said, in the midst of that hut, we began to hear cracking and popping and snapping. And he said, as we began to observe the cracking and the popping and the snapping was all of her limbs and her bones and her joints lining up and coming into accord. And he said, he walked out of that hut and holding hands behind him was the little girl walking for the first time in her life. The chief saw his little girl walking. He started to scream, running around the village. Everybody began to scream with him. And he goes to David and he says, David, you must preach your Jesus to my people for the next 10 days. He said he preached Jesus. People were saved and people were healed. Mr. Bonke asked him, he says, but David, he said, you told me you just got saved when you came to my meeting, he said, yes, sir. He said, what did you preach? He said, I preached every message I've heard of yours. <laughs> and people were getting saved. Amen. What am I talking about? Or why do I share that story with you? Because there was a young boy. I said there was a young boy. We don't think that young people can get hungry nowadays. But young people can get hungry for God. 
If old people will get hungry for God, there will be a young people that will get hungry for God. And when you get hungry for God, God will come and visit you. And when He visits you, you will take a move of God with you wherever you go. And the landscape will begin to change because you have an encounter with the living God. Amen. What are we doing as we purpose to pray and fast in these next 21 days? We're purposing to pursue God. We're purposing to pursue hunger for the things of God. Now, I realize that for many, life has been so distracting and so busy and so chaotic. And especially over the last several years, there's been such an effort to bring such a great divide, especially within the body of Christ. You might say, I don't feel hungry. I'm not hungry. I don't feel hungry. I don't even want to be hungry. I want to ask you a question. If you're not hungry, are you ready for heaven? I said, if you're not hungry, are you ready to meet Jesus face to face? Because when I see him, I want to be so ablaze and on fire for God that when he sees me, it's like seeing himself in a mirror. Because I'm so full of who he is. Amen? But here's the thing. You might say, I don't know that I'm hungry, don't feel hungry. Get around hungry people and you will get hungry. I said, if you'll purpose to get around hungry people, you'll get hungry. I remember Brother Hagin said this, Kenneth E. Hagin, he was one of our mentors. He always talked about this concerning the moves of God. He said, you know, with every move of God, he says, you get those people that are just, you know, full of wildfire, just crazy. He said, you know what? I would rather have wildfire in my church than no fire at all. Amen. It might get a little bit messy around here. We'll navigate and direct and steer the, the ship as we go. But I'm telling you what, I'm ready to get on fire. How about you? I'm ready for the landscape to change. For it to change in my marriage, for change in my family, to change in my community, to change in my church. And as we get hungry for God, we'll begin to see that particular change take place. Amen. Don't you realize that when it comes to just the, 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 the days in which we've been living, there has been such a concerted effort to bring division. And again, you might look at it and say, well, those are all natural things. Don't be deceived. The natural things that we see in the headlines of the news is nothing but a distraction to the local church. See, the devil has come and tried to bring division into the church with a virus. He's tried to bring division in a church because of politicians, politics, and personalities. He's tried to bring uh, division in a church through sexual orientation. You've seen racism rise up its ugly head. Nothing more to bring division in the church. And then there's the abortion issue. And everybody wants to take sides. My point is this. It's been nothing else but a distraction of division within the church. You know, might say, well, what about those people out there in the marketplace and in the world? Do you realize that they have an ideal concerning us, the people of God, and the narrative that has been forced down their throat is to tell them that we, the church, that we must be Republicans, that we, the church, we must be racist, that we, the people of God, we must hate those individuals that are homosexuals? That God hates them and doesn't want them in the church? Come on, do you understand what I'm saying? There's been a great divide, but God is wanting to visit the church where the people come alive and where they become a light in darkness. 
Amen. And he's endeavored to bring a division within the church. And God says this. If there is division, there is no vision. And God says, my people perish for the lack of vision. Or where there is no vision, my people perish. So it's been nothing but a tactic of the devil to destroy the church. But what he didn't know is that he was kicking a hornet's nest. What he didn't know is that he was stirring the coals because there is a fire that is coming back to the church. Revival is here. A move of God is here. And people are coming to fill the church because we are hungry for the things of God. Amen? And so if you're not hungry, just get around some hungry people. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just hang around me a little bit. I'll rub off on you. Or I'll at least get you in a bear hug. Won't let you go. <laughs> Praise God. Well, we're talking about fasting. Again, I'm wanting to encourage you concerning this fast. In regards to the Word of God, we see that there are different fasts throughout the Word. That it's a common theme. That there's always a move of God. That God moves on the behalf of His people when people purpose to fast and pray. We've seen that there are three-day fasts within the Word of God. We see that there's 21-day fast, that there's 40-day fast, that there's different things that apply, or that there's calls that are given to the nation because we're going to entreat the face of God. There are those that are real stringent, real strict, where there's no food or no water. Well, obviously, you can't do that for many days. So again, don't, don't try that for any more than two or three days. But what are you doing? You're pressing into God. I already mentioned Daniel. Daniel uh, had a 21-day fast. He said, I won't eat any choice foods. And he just ate vegetables. We see that Moses did a 40-day fast. He was in the presence of God. And when he came down from being in the presence of, of God, his face glowed with the glory. I'm telling you what, you get in the presence of God, you'll begin to change. Your countenance will look different because you've been in the very presence of God. Amen? I asked somebody, and I asked you, the same question. What do you want in this fast? What are you pursuing in this fast? And for the sake of helping you, I'm going to share with you what a conversation that I had with somebody in the church a few days back. I asked that person the question. I said, what are you pursuing in your fast? And they said to me, well, there's some health things, some dietary things. And I'm seeking God's help concerning that. And he said, also, you know, Marriage, I, I, I'm believing that God's going to show up in my marriage. And I said, that's great. I said, that's good. I said, don't make that pursuit, that, that your pursuit. I said, when you fast, pray about those things, but make God your focus. The response was, well, yeah, I understand that, but, you know, I, I'm struggling in some of these areas, or there's some things, and so, so therefore, uh, you're, you're telling me just to pursue God? And I said, God's the most important thing. Because you realize, when it comes to this physical body, if I'm overweight, I am overweight. But if I'm overweight, it's because my flesh is wanting to eat what it ought not eat or eating too much of the wrong things, correct? Well, if my flesh or my appetite is out of control, then what that means is that my flesh man is in the driver's seat, and my spirit man is taking the back seat, right? Well, if I'll pursue God and get into the presence of God, what does that do? Does that feed my natural man, or does that feed my spirit man? 
It feeds my spirit man. And so therefore, if I'll pursue the presence of God and get into the glory of God and pursue His face, what happens is my spirit man gets out of the back seat and steps over and gets behind the steering wheel and says, I'm in control now. Amen. So as you pursue the face of God, the physical man begins to line up. Well, what about my marriage? What about my family? Well, you know that God, the Bible says that God is love. So if I'm pursuing the face of God, I'm pursuing God. And if Moses can get into the presence of God and the glory of God can get on him so that people see the glow of the glory of God on Moses' face when he comes out of the glory, if God is love, do you not think that when you get in the presence of love and you come out of the presence of love that you'll carry love with you? Hello? So the very presence of who God is He is love. You come out of the presence of God from seeking His face and you'll begin to ooze love and your husband and wife and your kids will say, what happened to you? You're like a new man, a new woman. What happened? I just sought the face of God and I got in the presence of love. And I'm a changed man or a changed woman. Are you seeing how we've got to be intentional what our focus is. So whatever it is that you're believing God for, whatever you need God to do in your life, take it into the presence of God and pray when you're there. Lay it before His feet. But don't make it your focus because it will surrender in the presence of God. Make your pursuit Him. And that thing will bow in His presence. Come on, somebody say amen. Amen, amen, amen. I realize that for many of us, there's times that we struggle in this life. We struggle in our walk with God. In fact, for that matter, how many can attest that there are times that it seems like this walking with Jesus is a challenge? You know, walking with God, it's hard. Walking with God, man, it's just, it's isn't the easy thing to do. But do you realize that that is nothing more than a lie From the pit of hell. And the only reason that you feel that way. Is because you've been living out of your flesh man. And the devil will accommodate your flesh man. And begin to prod and poke your solical man. Which is your mind, your will and your emotions. And he'll tell you. Isn't it hard to serve Jesus? Isn't it difficult to just go to church uh, every uh, Sunday. Or every so often. Or whatever it is. Right? It's hard to serve Jesus. And it's nothing more than a lie from the pit of hell. In fact, for that matter, when you get into the presence of God, what God does is He cloaks you or clothes you with His grace, His power, His anointing. And therefore, for those believers that will walk with Him hand in hand, it's easier to live this life because I've got the grace and the mind of God. I've got the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. I've got the Holy Ghost that's going ahead and preparing the way. I've got ministering angels that are walking with me and warring for me. Come on, somebody. Walking with Jesus is not hard because walking with him, he's given me everything that I have need of. Amen. Woo, praise God. Amen. It's a lie from the pit of hell to say that it's hard to serve Jesus. And he's just wanting to change the landscape of our home and our lives and our marriages if we'll just surrender to him. If I can, I want to just kind of share with you 
just a little bit different slant if I can in regards to fasting because I said it's a lie from the pit of hell. So in other words, all the struggles that we face, whether it be addictions, whether it be struggles with our thoughts, whether it be whatever it might be, it's spiritual warfare and the devil is wanting to keep you surrendered and succumbing to the challenges that you feel or face. But do you know that the Bible says that one of the names of the devil is Beelzebub, right? And the name Beelzebub is translated as the Lord of the Flies. Now, I've been purposing to do some reading on fasting and things of that nature. I've just been studying a, a little bit as of late. And I read this one story concerning this woman. She was a, a, a pastor's wife. And, and she reflects some things in regards to fasting. And I'll share that in just a minute. But she, she is, uh, her and her husband are on vacation. And she said, as she's uh, there on vacation, she said, she's walking on the beach and she's praying for another pastor's wife because she's been struggling with adultery. And she said, as she was praying, she said she began to pray and, and speak against that devilish spirit that is influencing and trying to tempt the friend in ministry. And as she begins to pray, she says there was a swarm of flies that came up off of the, the, the water and began to swarm. And she said it was almost like a spiritual picture, if you will, that as she began to pray, that her prayers began to stir up the Lord of the flies and the flies began to fly away. Well, how many of you understand that if he's the Lord of the flies, naturally speaking, when a fly bugs you, what do they oftentimes do? They're like flying around your head, right? <laughs> You're swatting at them, right? And oftentimes that's what we the church have done. We've just swatted at the enemy. We've just swatted at all his cohorts. But we've never taken control or authority over them in our lives. And so they keep just flying around, buzzing around. And again, they just keep plaguing our thoughts. And we keep on reproducing the same old thing. Well... In regards to the number 40, in the Bible, you'll see that there's a number of references to the number 40. Moses fasted for 40 days two different times. Jesus fasted in the wilderness for 40 days. Uh, 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 Moses was in Egypt for 40 years, in the wilderness for 40 years, and then he was going to the people for 40 years. So there's some significance to the number 40. And the number 40, scripturally speaking, means cleansing. And so we also see, like I said, concerning 40 days of fasting. And I'm not telling you to do this, but here's something that's interesting. I talked to you about flies and that Satan is the Lord of the flies, right? So, naturally speaking, flies are pretty much the same around the world in their life cycle. And so when it comes to using pesticides, it has been proven that if you only use pesticides for a short period of time, all you will do is kill the first generation that are presently alive. But flies have roughly a 40-day lifespan, and so therefore, they'll lay their eggs, and if you only go halfway, all you'll do is kill the parent fly, but since they've already laid their eggs, the second generation will come and it will continue to affect the next generation after the next generation after the next generation. So they have to continue with pesticide over the duration of 40 days. 
Because if they will use pesticide over a duration of 40 days, they will kill the ones that are alive and the next generation. What's my point? See, we've oftentimes dealt with the enemy in our life, but much of what is affecting and afflicting your life and your family and your children is something that has been generational and it's not been dealt with. I realize that when we're Christians, the Bible says that the old man is done away with. Behold, all things have become new. Yes, that is true. Yes, we are redeemed from the curse of the law. But the enemy is very familiar with you and he knows exactly what buttons to push and he will pass it on from one generation to the next if you don't deal with it. How many of you, I won't say it that way, how many people do we know that struggle with addictions? But you look back, well, mama and daddy, they struggled with addictions. And their mama and daddy struggled with addictions. But we've been in church. We've been faithful. But why do I struggle? Because it's that same devilish spirit that hasn't been taken authority over, over and been dealt with. And if you don't deal with those things in your life, you're going to pass it on to your next generation. Oh, well, I don't have a problem. Well, if you can't live without it, you've got a problem. And as I said, you will pass it on to the next generation. Amen? Thanks for your enthusiasm. Praise God. <laughs> As I said, you can't just use some fly spray, a fly water, and think we're going to take care of business. No, we got to eradicate. Amen. So as you pursue God, let's believe God that he's going to do some amazing things in our lives. Amen. You doing okay this morning? Give me a couple more minutes and we'll wind this up. In Jonah chapter 3, let me share this with you. In Jonah chapter 3, starting in verse 7, it says, Then the king and his whole, and his whole nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from the herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly, pray earnestly to God, and they must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. Did you hear what it said? They called for a fast. Well, listen, the people of God, we're not under judgment. We're under the grace of God. But there is a world that is experiencing judgment for not responding and receiving Christ. And there is a destruction that is coming. There is a hell that is real. And therefore, our fasting and our prayer. Remember, the Bible says... If they will humble themselves, surrender themselves to the mighty hand of God, and pray, he said, I will heal their land. God is healing the greater Flint area. There is a move of God that is here. I'm telling you, as my wife said, again, she reminded me of it. We are on the spiritual map for God, and God is using you and using this church. To change a landscape. Amen. And for the sake of time, I'll I'll hurry if I can. You doing okay? All right. Psalms 34 verse 3. says, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt His holy name. When you fast and when you pray, you magnify Him. 
Anybody ever used a magnifying glass before? Isn't it awesome? You use a magnifying glass and all of a sudden you see things clearly. And you see things that you didn't see before. And you see things bigger. When you magnify the Lord, He becomes clear. You see things you've never seen before. And He becomes bigger in your sight. Come on, let's magnify and make God big in our church, in our life, and let's see Him do some amazing things. Amen. I can't remember if I shared this last Sunday or if it was a Wednesday, but I shared this with you. I said, there's been times with my natural eyes, if I've been trying to, like my Bible, I can't read my Bible without my glasses. Too, too blurry. But if I sit here and I take this piece of paper, this post-it note, and I poke a little hole in it with this pencil, and I look through the hole... All of a sudden, the words become clear. How? I don't know how it works, but one thing that I do know is that that little circle, that little hole, drowned out everything else that was distracting and cluttering my vision. And all I could see was through this little pinhole, and it became clear, baby. Amen. What's God wanting us to do? He's wanting us to see clearly. He's wanting us to magnify Him. Praise God. What would it look like if all you purposed to see through was the little pinhole to find Jesus? When it came to your marriage, I'm looking through the pinhole. When it comes to your family, looking through the pinhole. You hear all the noise, but no, I'm focused. And I'm magnifying him. Praise the Lord. In Matthew chapter 8. In Matthew chapter 8. God's desiring for us to be hungry. If you'll purpose to give your attention on Him, He will cause you to be hungry. The Bible says, Taste and see that the Lord is good and His mercy endures forever. How many of you know that God will help you taste to the point that you want more? And when you taste of God... It is not routine and it is not religion. In fact, my wife, she's a good cook. And there's been times that my wife has gotten these really good steaks. You know, those like $1,000 steaks. No, they're not that much. You know, but they're, they're crazy expensive nowadays. She'll get one of those steaks and man, she'll cook it to perfection. Put it on the plate. I mean, it looks like it's from a magazine. And you're like, baby come on and you start cutting into that oh and it's just oh so good come on anybody mouth watering right now oh it's good stuff man but the next night I sit down at the table and my wife puts that same looking kind of steak in front of me I mean it looks like it's out of the magazine I'm like okay whoo this is good oh man you cooked it to perfection baby the next day I sit down. That's the third night in a row. And she sits down that steak in front of me again. Not the same one, a different one. But it's been three, it's been three, it's been three nights in a row. Right? After three nights, what do you think I'm going to be thinking? I'm going to be like, uh, steak again? I mean, first night, it was amazing, man. Come on. But three nights in a row? Kind of getting tired of this. How many of you know that that's what religion has become to the local church? We come to the church, oh, this again? Or this is all I'm ready to get today? 
But if you'll come with an expectation, God won't get you the same warmed over meal, leftovers from last week. He'll show you something brand new, something exciting, something fresh where you're saying, oh, glory to God, I'm tasting and seeing that the Lord is good and His mercy is enduring forever. Amen. He's wanting us to be hungry. And in Matthew chapter 8, verse 15, and I'll close with this. I know I said I'm winding up. I'm closing for sure this time. Praise God. All right. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 5, it says, Now when Jesus had entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him and pleading with him, saying, Lord, my servant is lying home, paralyzed, dreadfully tormented. Hear that. He came to him and, and pleaded with Jesus. In other words, he was intense. He was uh, 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 forceful. He was saying, Jesus, I want your attention. Please hear me. Right? And then he goes and he says, my servant is dreadfully tormented. And Jesus said to him, verse 7, I will come and heal him. But the centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof. But, one, but only speak the word, and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes, and to another, come. And he comes. And to my servant, do this. And he does it. Verse 10 says, when Jesus heard this, he marveled. And he said to those that followed. He said, assuredly, I say to you, I have not found. Now stop for just a minute. He says, I have not found. If he has now found, but hasn't found it before, then it must mean that he's been looking for it. He says, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel. What was the expression of faith? He said, just speak the word. But we could also say it this way. That this man came to him wanting something from Jesus. I know what you have. I know what you can do. And if you can do it, do it. Just speak the word. But we come to church saying, well, <laughs> can you maybe, would you please? Right? No. He's looking for hungry people that says, God, whatever you have, I want it. I've come to get it. Come on, slap it on me, Jesus. How many of you are wanting more? Come on, let's pursue God in these next 21 days. Come on, stand with me. Praise God. Praise God. If you will, bow your head and close your eyes. If you're watching me online and you're in this surrounding area and you don't have a church home, I encourage you and invite you personally. Come and join us because there is a move of God here at Genesee Valley Church and you don't want to miss out. And you can be a part of the family and the move of God. For those of us that are here, let me pray over you in the name of Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that you're stirring a hunger that cannot be quenched. I thank you that there is a hunger that will not be fulfilled. I thank you that we'll keep rest, running, keep pressing, keep pursuing you until you come to take us home. Father, I thank you that this is the last day revival. I thank you that this church is filled front to back, side to side, running over oh, multiple services in Jesus' name. This is a church that is demonstrating the power of God with signs, wonders, and miracles. I thank you that this place is filled with people receiving Christ and coming in to the family of God and God I thank you that you're not leaving us out because you're using us in the midst of it and so I thank you for a great move of God in the name of Jesus and everyone said amen, amen.
that's it. Is this the year where you're going to see some change? Is this the year where you'll see restoration in your family? Or is this the year where you're going to allow God to move in your life? We would love the opportunity to help you in that. If you would like more info or if you have any questions, we want to hear from you. You can contact us on our social media sites or directly through our website at gvchurch.tv. We are Genesee Valley Church. Loving God, loving people, loving life.